listeners, and welcome to The Floor, fantasy and lore from the ground up. My name's Eli. I'm Joe Bendowski. And I'm Aaron. We do in-depth lore podcasts for games, movies, TV shows, and different worlds of mythology in our culture. One of us does an in-depth research on our topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and will be addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. All right, so we're going to be doing another episode exclusively for The Witcher. Let's keep in mind that there will be spoilers for the TV show because we are going over Joe's fancy word, exposition from the TV show that you may have missed to prepare you for the next season. So we will not be covering as much the video game or the movie yet. Um, so we did talk a little bit about the first episode. We talked about who Geralt and is. These are different stories, right? Um, yeah. Yes. Um, Joe would have to wait on that, but um, the, they, they are definitely different times a point and different, uh, at least um, narrations Same. of stories. Okay, the same universe, but just different. You say narrations. Uh, so I would, I would use. So I, I would describe it this way. So you know how Marvel or DC they have different universes that like have the same characters in them, but they're slightly different. Right. Um. So like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is different than the comic book universe, and whatever. That is how I would probably describe The Witcher. Okay. Um, it's very similar, but there are some things that will be different, Joe. Uh, so I, I would describe it more as like a, a, a catalog of stories, right? Like if you want the story of Geralt and Cirilla, you've got to read the series. If you want the story of Geralt and the Assassin of Kings, you've got to play game two. If you want the story of Geralt and the Wild Hunt, you've got to play game three. Now, so so each of those is its own story that's still part of Geralt's total story. But there is this kind of MCU split where... There's a bunch of short stories that were how The Witcher started, and each of those makes its appearance in the TV show, in the books, and in the games, and it's a little bit different in each of those. So those little short stories, those smaller pieces, are all pulled from pulled from the same source material and a little bit different in each place, but the major stories are unique to each platform. So they're not like, Geralt did this in one universe, Geralt did this in another, be like, no, this is all Geralt's story. These are just different pieces from it. Okay. You know, so so like someone his- could go around and collect this from all the multimedias or just listen to our podcast <laughs> as they are. Yes. Yeah, if they were smart enough, they'd just listen to the podcast. So, all right. Uh, so real quick, let's dive into key points before we dive into uh, the new what stuff. we're covering here. Okay. Um, so just, just to get your head like – your brain right, Eli. Let's go over some names. Uh, so Geralt is Geralt of Rivia. He's our main character. We've talked the about Witcher. him. The Witcher. And he's not from Rivia. Um, <laughs> he's not from Rivia. That's a made-up story. To sound cool. <laughs> but he did butcher in Blaviken. Um, Yennefer, she's a witch, um, and we'll talk more about her as she shows up. Um, uh-huh. Renfrey is important in the fact that she created uh, – a moral what if for Geralt. So he does a lot of thinking about like who he wants to be. And did he do yeah. the, right in the situation because of her? So that's why she's important. Cirilla is that magic 
child who Geralt is supposed to be steward of and he's got to go find. Um, so when we mentioned Cirilla or Siri, uh, that's who that is. Oh, that's uh, an interchangeable name. Cirilla. Yeah, so Cirilla is her whole name. A lot of times she's just called Siri or Sir- Siri. Yep. Um, Sodden Hill, um, we've discussed once or twice and we'll talk about it again. That's the final battle in the series. So at the end of the first season, there's a big battle and that is the Battle of Sodden Hill. Nilfgaard is the biggest country in the world of the Witcher. So that is kind of the power um, kind of like Rome. China they're, or they're ancient Rome. Or, or Rome, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Aratusa is the school of magic. For, oh, for girls. That. For girls. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That, oh, that is helpful. It, 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 it's not a co-ed situation. No, no. Mm-hmm. There's there's a school that men attend and a school that women attend, yeah. And then oh. we, we will hear about a character who is referenced as Dandelion. Not in the show, but in the games, right? But it's the same character. Yeah, and it just depends who's pronouncing it. Some people pronounce it dandelion. Some people pronounce it dandelion. You know, just whatever it is. But it's a He's, pronunciation. Yeah, uh, and he is literally the bard. So if you ever play D anD D, that's a hundred percent as accurate as you could describe, at least to me, who he is. He's the bard. Wait, no, I wasn't there a different bard character. No, yes. He, um, Oh, in in The Witcher, there is someone who is like the the Witcher's friend, like in the TV show. Excuse me, Geralt's um, friend. Yes, and he is Dandelion, but in the show, he's not referenced as that. That's why it's confusing. It's the same guy, but he just doesn't uh, that name. so when we reference him here, we'll just call him Dandelion just to make it easier. And and what do they call him in the show? I don't really remember. <laughs> I think of him as Dan- Dandelion all the time. So I don't even know if they okay. call him right. a specific thing or like Ward or something. I don't know. I'd have to. It wasn't important. Or it was okay. and I forgot. I'm fine with Dandelion. Any questions before Joe dives deep? So many. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's get into it. Let's go. Have at it. Uh, so, yeah, so... Dandelion is a nickname that he's got, and uh, his real name is Julian Alfred Pankratz. Now, I've heard, never heard him referred to as Pankratz, but occasionally I've heard to, referred to him as Julian or Alfred. So it's, it's rare, but on occasion, most people really just refer to him as Dandelion. Okay. We can also say Dandelion because, you know, it's a Yeah, Dandelion or Dandelion. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right, oh, so right. those are the key names that you just want to know. Joe, we ready? Yeah. I think we're diving into episode two now. Is kind yes, of diving doing. into episode two. So this is the first time in the series where we actually will meet. Episode Netflix. four of Us. Episode two of Netflix? Yeah, yes. episode two of Netflix. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, and th- her story is, of course, going to start uh, when she, you know, a, first casts a spell on accident and then is detected by the School of Magic and taken to Aratusa, where she will learn to become a sorceress. Um, and so that will be her story that we'll be following there. At the same time, Cirilla will uh, be running away from the uh, Nilfgaard soldier who's hunting her. She will encounter the survivors of Sintra as they're you know struggling, and, and Nilfgaard is still hunting them down, trying to find those craftsmen, make sure they die. And they're trying to find Cirilla, <laughs> of course. Um, and then, uh, Geralt, uh, 
uh, in his story, he is going to be tasked with uh, stopping a devil who is stealing grain uh, from a bunch of farmers in this city. Um, and so with Geralt, uh, w- when we encounter him in the games and in the books, he's a full-fledged witcher with deep knowledge of the monsters he fights and the techniques and tools he will need to fight them. But in the TV show, it's very different. In the first episode, there's a flyer uh, for a monster, and he kills the wrong one, right? <laughs> <laughs> he does. He kills the wrong one and Kikimura. then can't get paid for that. Yeah. And he even gets reprimanded by a child because he brings the Kikimura in on his horse. And yeah. she's like, no, these things actually eat something or something. They like protect us. Yeah, they, they, they're they good for population control. Yeah. And so I'm here, just showing that he, he's not experienced yet. Yeah. So in the TV show, they're very much taking the, the approach that he is just learning this craft as he's going along. Right. And with that, we'll develop his moral code. So for, for Geralt, uh, the point here is he, he goes to hunt this devil. Now in the books, he constantly says, he says, devils aren't real. And, uh, you know, Dan Dillon's like, well, then, then, then why do you take their money? He says, well, because something's happening. Right. He says, they're saying it's devil and those don't exist, but something is happening. And so, right. There's there. something. It's not a devil, but. <laughs> They're scared of a monster, and and they're they're not running in terror because it's fake. There's something. It's just not a devil. But whereas in in the TV show, he really has no idea what he's going up against, and he he never mentions that devils don't exist, right? Uh, He 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 says the line, sometimes there's monsters, and sometimes there's coin, right? And he just needs (laughs) the money. Wait, wait, you you forgot the most important... Doesn't he after that say nor like rarely there's both or something? Rarely there's both. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. like normally if people need his help, then he helps them for free. And if yeah. they have coin, it's yeah. And and at this point, uh both Geralt and Dadillion are struggling financially. They are both still not doing great. He his his songs and his stories are not, you know, loved and appreciated. And Geralt is not making a lot of money being a witcher, right? His clothes are shabby and torn apart and everything. And, uh, you know, Geralt... So, go ahead. So, he is a mutant created by magic to hunt monsters. And it's a bad business? (laughs) And it's a bad business. Well, this is after the church, like, smeared their their name. Their image, yeah. Yeah. So he's after that. Oh, so maybe it used to be a good job, but now it's a bad job. It was a really good job, and the church was mad at him. Yeah. So, well, I think what they're trying to show is that he's – that where we start his story is really a very early stage in him being a witcher. And he's learning and growing as the years go on. I think is what they're trying to show in the series, right? And so – So the the gray hair is deceiving. Right, the gray, gray hair is a, it, it's a I, I think it's usually referred to as white, but that's a byproduct of experimentation he went through. Oh, okay. So same thing with his skin and his eyes. All of that is, is just byproduct of the experimentation. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. That's part of his mutation and whatnot. Yeah. Not showing his age, which yeah. I, th- I think I was confused by. Oh, you thought, you know, this was an old experience, man. Well, but like, so, so yeah. So just looking at the points that the Netflix series is making, it really does look like they're, they're trying to show you grow, him growing into the great witcher that he is. He has the fighting skills when this TV show starts, but he doesn't have a lot of not monster knowledge. Uh, 
So he, in this episode, he will meet Dandelion. This will be their first encounter. He'll point out that Dandelion's stories suck because they're not real. And then Dandelion decides, hey, I'll just follow you and get some great stories. You want real? All right, real. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So they go out to hunt uh, a devil that's stealing the grain. And like I said, this this is one of the short stories that plays out very differently in the in the TV show than it does in the books. Um, with the exception that in both cases, he's dealing with a sylvan, which is kind of a horned creature, but they're fairly intelligent. And so when Geralt encounters this creature and it can talk and it can reason, he just he decides not to kill it. And this is the first time we see him really make this decision, be like, I don't have to kill all the monsters, right? I, I, I don't have to just do that. And so he decides to try. I am a monster it. killer. I don't but, have to kill all the monsters. No, he yeah. kills monsters. So evil beings that have no place in this world. Yeah. So he but decides. Some people might call something a monster that's not actually a monster. Yes. Yeah. And real quick, Joe, uh, this um, looks like, at least to me, um, something that uh, is equal to a satyr or a fawn if you know Greek. Yeah, it looks fairly similar to a, to a satyr or a fawn. Yeah. So just just so you can kind of picture it. Yeah. Uh so so like uh, uh humanoid top half uh uh hooved feet. Yep. This fur on the bottom. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh so Seeing that it's intelligent and it can reason, he decides not to kill it. And I, you know, I think this is part of watching us his his moral code within the TV show, seeing that evolve. Because within the books, it's established when he begins, but here we're seeing it evolve. He's deciding not to kill this creature, and then he gets you know hijacked by a bunch of elves because the Sylvan was actually stealing the grain for the elves, right? And so, working for the elves. Yeah. So we talked about in, in uh, some of our earlier introduction episodes that when the conjunction of spheres takes place, these worlds merge and elves and humans encounter each other. And at first, you know, they're getting along. The elves teach humans magic. And eventually, you know, the difficulties arise between them. And we have a big war between humans and elves. And the elves decide that humans don't live very long. They war with each other a lot. They're just going to leave and just wait out humanity. So they leave up into the high mountains, into the castles and palaces they have there to wait out humanity. And in this episode, we see that this is not working out. One, humanity has not reduced, but they have grown and spread. And two, the elves are now running out of their food storage that they had. They had years they had hundreds of years of food storage and it is running out and so now they are coming down out of those mountains and we're we're starting to first see that now there's an interesting point here so we've talked about Geralt is 40 50 years before the fall of Sintra Surrey of course is the fall of Sintra and then Yennefer is about 60 70 years before so in this episode uh, Geralt encounters a man, an elf named Philavandril, and he was once the high king of the Silver Tower. And in Cirilla's, um episode, she will meet a young boy who wears a string of elf ears around his neck. And he, <coughs> these are from the elves he killed during the uprising of Philavandril. So we know 
that in the future, at some point, this elf will lead an uprising and try to throw, throw the humans out of the lands that were once his. And let's they lose. <laughs> so, okay, so we take a break here. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to the second half of The Witcher. Um, Joe, we, we've been going over a lot of key characters, and um, the last thing you had mentioned was uh, uh, there was a character who has a, a necklace of elf ears. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had talked about how uh, Geralt... Uh, He's got a moral moral code to him of I don't have to kill everything if if it don't need to be killed I ain't got to do that and that's part of his value as like a an individual a Witcher right because Witchers are the well, ones that are so Witchers have their own codes because they were there were the five, five schools yeah. different schools of thought and. Even within those, you know, and you have your own morality after you leave. But Geralt is, in the show at least, really trying to decide who he wants to be. Yeah. In the books and the games, it more feels like he's already established who he is. Yeah. Okay, so in the show, it, it, it's almost a, a story of self-discovery for Geralt. Well, it's a character arc, you know. Okay. We're, we're watching his character. We're watching Uncle Ben die, basically. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I, th- I think Renfrey, having to kill Renfrey is, is watching Uncle Ben die, right? Really and truly. And it's like, what could I have yeah. done better? I will never do that again. Yeah. It really is because that's what made Spider-Man Spider-Man. Yeah, that's what makes spider and And that's kind of the, the moment where Geralt is like, I've got to make different choices. Yeah, because like, he literally in the first episode, he's like, I... I, I, if I have to pick between evil and the lesser evil, I pick neither. And he did that, and awful stuff happened because he could have stopped stuff. Yeah. Oh, he suffers the, uh, 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 the thing yes. that'll make this world evil is for good men to stand to by. Good yeah, wishers yeah. to do nothing. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Okay. Okay. So, so he's, he's already in the throes of it. Yes, he is. Okay. So let's, I think the best way to approach this is we'll walk, let's walk through Geralt's full storyline. So he's attacked by elves who have this, uh, Sylvan stealing for them. And, uh, you know, their, their, their plan is to just execute Geralt because they're like, if the humans find out we're stealing their food, they will gather their armies and come into the mountains and declare war on us again. Right. That's and so they're like, we have to kill them. And Geralt is like, you don't have to kill us. Like you, you just, you need to just, you know, either either come down and and you know farm the land with them, or go somewhere where they're not and live there. Right. He's like, I'm not human, and I live among them because I want to live. If you want to live too, you should find a way. Is Geralt's real saying there? Right. So he's trying to bridge elves and humans. Uh, I don't think he's trying to bridge. I think what he, well, he doesn't want to get murdered, but I think he's also just saying, be like, look, the humans are everywhere and they're not going away. You need to find a way to live with them if you want to live. You lost the first war, you know, and, and if you're doing this, like you said, you're going to provoke another one, Mm. right? 
Okay. He's like, if you want to live, you've got to find a way to live with them. And uh, even then, and, and within this conversation, uh, one of the, the elves that is with Phil Evandro points out that they have a new young generation of elves who want to fight the humans, who are ready. And this will eventually come become these these young elves they're talking about will eventually become the square tile. This young generation of elves who want to fight the humans and take back their lands. And that, the square tile—that's an organization. Yeah, it's a they're they're a, just a, a group of anti-human. Yeah, they're elf commandos. But as the war with Nilfgaard plays out, they fight for both sides because they don't care. If I'm killing humans, I'm killing humans. Oh, okay. You know, they, they fight either side, both sides. They, they, as long as they're killing humans, the square tile are happy. Oh, killed by humans. So the square tile guys, they're like, oh, the problem about dying is how do you kill more humans when you die? <laughs> die. So they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're very anti human, uh, these elven commandos. That, uh, to be fair, them. if like they had this whole plan to like, just like we'll just wait them out and they'll die, and they literally just lost all of their land, all of their resources over that dumb call. I would blame humans too, even though obviously it's not the humans' fault that they were wimps. <laughs> so it's a little embarrassing. Well, and we'll talk about it. So elves, uh, they don't reproduce like humans. They they live like we talk about. The average elf is you know three to four hundred years. Some of the elves will live as long as a thousand years, but and Elven, some of them live forever, right? Yeah, some of them don't seem to die of old age at all. Um, but elven women can only reproduce for about 20 years during their lifetime. And it's, oh. when, and it's when they're young and, they, and they, they usually only have one or two children. They have very few children during this reproductive time. So they don't have a high population rate. They just have long lives. Yes, yeah, they have long lives, but they, yeah, they don't, they don't, you know, re- replenish or replace their population or even grow it very quickly at all. Um, That's now, sad. when the humans come into the world, it changes things because when a human mates with an elf female, even if she's beyond her fertile years, she can still have a half elf child. But only with humans, not with only elves. with humans. Well, you can't have a half elf child with two elves, anyways. That's not how yeah. half elves work. Yeah, but like I said, like <laughs> an, a, elf. A, an elf, an elf female, she could be two hundred years old and still have a half elf child, right? The humans make them very fertile. However, she couldn't have an elf child. So yeah, she couldn't have a pure elf because you know they they only have the very small window for that. So and they're, they're not so limited in the number of children they can have either. Elven children, you know, like we get one or two, but humans they could produce you know several. Wait, so back up. So if they have a half elf child and that one's a female, since that one's half human, can that one just have lots of babies even with elves? I like don't know. It never went that again. deep in there, you know. Um, but I think I think it, it. A lot of it points to the problem with uh, massive reproduction seems to come with the elven men, right? Because the elven women with m- human men have no problem reproducing. There's something with the elven men. Oh, okay. Blending with the elven female that causes problems, right? So, okay. but and and so what happens is, and this is part of what kind of spurns the war. Why the elves turn on the humans is that so many of the elven women to have more children are turning to humans. Oh, right? it's a jealousy problem. It's a jealousy problem. Yeah, they're like, you know, at first they're like, taking my woman. 
So, and not only that, but, uh, as, as Geralt puts it, he says, he says, the elves only see the human and the humans only see the elf and referring to half elves, right? The elves only see the human side and the humans only see the elf side. And so they always see it as the other, right? Not the, not the part that's part of their society. And so these, these half children are very much rejected by everyone except their own, right? The elves do not want these half elven children. They, they're not, they're not what we are. They're, you know, they're human. And the humans are like, these are, they're half elf. They're not human. So, Ew. Okay. yeah. So, so is there like, um, an organization of half elves or, uh, I mean, really they just kind of cluster together in a kind of, uh, you know, just the, the impoverished group. There right? are half elves in this world though, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, there are half elves, but the half elves don't get the long life of the elves. They tend to live lives about the length of a human. They just have ears that are pointed similar to elves. Well, that sucks. Don't they have magical abilities though, like elves? So the elves, it seems that elves tended to have stronger magic uh, than humans, like they had figured out a long time. So it's not just that that they taught it to the humans but they seem to have a greater aptitude and so let's let, let's go back to philivandril really quick so when Geralt meets philivandril and the few elves uh, who's that Phil? philivandril was a former king uh of a territory and uh, uh he's uh right now he's stealing grain to feed his people because they're starving right he is elf yeah he's an okay elf. Did he employ the Sylvan yeah. we mentioned? Okay, Phil- okay. Philavandril employs the Sylvan to steal grain for his people. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then, and then Philavandril and like three other elves kidnap Geralt and Dandelion, and they have this discussion about, get, you know, living among the humans. Um, so, okay. Phil- so Philavandril and the elf with him, their eyes are just normal eyes that you expect on, to see on any kind of human. But when you get this kind of half-elf or just elven-human blood blend, you get these very unique-looking eyes. So if you think of Yennefer, if you've ever seen her, she has these purple, very unique eyes with a really thick, dark outer rim. They really stand out. And if you see Cirilla, you'll notice she has a similar thing to her eyes, and that is a mark of half elven blood even if you if it's diluted enough that you don't have the pointed ears they still get these really unique looking eyes whenever they have that elven blood in them hmm. so so uh what what part of this is elven specifically what do you mean i'm uh, so with, it's, with, it's with, basically so the el- the elves themselves they're i i have a theory in Joe can tell me I'm wrong in a second. Um, and, and Eli can tell me if I'm even answering the question right. Um, elves, because their whole body is used to it, they have no abnormalities in their eyes. But because the human like elf hybrid is so unique, yeah, it uh, does it, something. It registers in the eyes specifically, making it really, really noticeable. Yes. So with Cirilla having eyes like that, it begs the question it indicates she is it got elven blood in her somewhere so for me mud blood a mud blood is that a term that's a harry potter term (laughs) that's a harry potter i know that's a harry potter i was asking if it's witcher term (laughs) no it's not it's not it's not yeah okay so so i'm in the witcher universe and i come across somebody with pointed ears 
would I be able to look into their eyes and tell if they are a half elf or a full elf? Yes. Okay. Okay. That was my question. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so in, in, in this episode, uh, this is where we get kind of a divergence from the books and, and the, in the show. In the show, Yennefer struggles with magic a lot. Like, she fails constantly. And in the end, she has to make kind of a special deal to be allowed to become a full sorceress. Uh, in the books, she Yennefer is thought to be half-elf without pointed ears. Like, she doesn't know who her father is, but the man who was raising her. Uh, Wait, so some half elves don't have human ears? So no, some have some so like a pure when I'm saying not half elf, like you are half elf. Some of them have human ears, not pointy ears, right? So some have human ears, some have pointy ears. Yeah. But they yeah. always have those eyes. Eyes, yeah. So in so like I think Cirilla is is a sixteenth elf, and she still has those unique eyes. Right. Oh, wow. Well, so okay. what's interesting that they mention in the show briefly is at for the show, they didn't mention this in the books that I know of because this didn't happen, but Yennefer's back, like her hunchback was because, well, and I think this is just man being man. Um, they blamed it on the fact that her parent, her dad was an elf and her, she didn't grow right. Yeah, I think that's just one of the indication. Um, I yeah, think so, that was more, but just that was more men being like, well, this is why you're like that. It's because you're yeah. impure. It's like yeah. more. So her, the, fa- the father, or at least the, hus- the husband of her mother is just a human. He has no elven blood. And Yennefer has those really unique eyes. And so it's thought she's probably half elf with human ears, right? No sharp ears. Is one of the thoughts uh, about Yennefer, and and so in, in the books, she is like I said, she's one of the most powerful sorcerers to ever attend the school of Eratusa, which is very different than how it's shown in the uh, in the show. The school of Eratusa is the female sorceress school. Yeah, the school for magic for women. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, like I said, so so Geralt has this discussion with Philavandral being like, you've just got to find a way to live with him. But we know that Philavandral does not heed Geralt's advice. We know that in the future he will lead an uprising and uh, in Sintra and his people will be slaughtered because we meet that young man with the ears of elves strung around his neck. Yeesh. So even though Geralt has this discussion with Philavandral, and Philavandral does decide to let Geralt go, a revolution still comes where he leads his people and they, they fail. I don't know if he dies in that or not, right? Philavandral is just part of this little short story and that's it. But Oh, okay. So this is okay. A snippet. Yeah, just a snippet, yeah. So uh I guess yeah, so uh, those are the big points to take away from episode two is we, we begin to see into the world of the elves a little bit. We gain a little bit of a deeper understanding of uh, of the elven blood and its influence in magic and, uh, you know, the, the mark that it leaves on people. And something I learned during this episode was uh, uh, elves erupt into the world after the what is it the event of spheres the conjunction of spheres yeah conjunct yeah 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 so so they are coming along with everything magical so before it was just men there weren't multiple races 
Right. So before the conjunction of spheres, there is elves. And there's no one else in that world. And there are humans. And there's no one else in that world. And so it's are... basically picture like if you take four realms, like from Midgard or Asgard or like whatever you want to think about, like four like different four streams of timeline. Or four different planets just collide, like hence the collision of spheres. They literally just unify into one, basically. Yeah. And when that happens, a lot of things die. But what's left is some stuff from planet one, some stuff yeah. from world two, some stuff from planet three. And so all of those just have to start to live in this new world. Yeah. Okay. So I, w- I would like to then ask my follow-up question. I don't know if we have time for or space for this. What what are the four different worlds? Well, so we don't we know. Are... So, there, so we will eventually learn that there is a, a multiverse out there. And at the uh-huh. conjunction of spheres, a certain number of worlds collided and merged into one. And uh-huh. so we don't know how many there were, how many there are left. But we do know there was a world of gnomes. Uh, sorry, not gnomes. A world of dwarfs, a world of halflings, a world of elves. And world of men. So at least those four worlds collided, okay. or, or at least a world with those individual races on them collided. So would we don't know what happened. That, but would you say that the world of monsters was just a conglomeration of things that existed in those four realms, or is it its own realm that is colliding with it being the fifth? We world don't that know. Has- for sure. Well, no. So he, what he's asking is, theorize with me, Joe. Oh, okay. So I can say <laughs> within the lore we don't know, but I guess we could say be like perhaps there was another world where all these monsters were thriving, and that also collided in. And I think that's that's a good theory because it seems like it, you know within within this world the witchers and other people who hunt monsters they're slowly eradicating them, and so I think if the monsters had been part of someone else's world. Before the conjunction, they may have been eradicated before the conjunction happened. So I think it's very possible they had their kind of own world going on. I would guess that they had something that wasn't like it was monsters like with halflings or maybe not halflings, but something that just couldn't keep up. Like just surviving was their thing. Like that's all they tried to do because they were not the top of the food chain. Whereas like men, they're able to amass armies and make witchers and whatever else. But so, I, so I, I, I think one of the things that makes me wonder if like every world brought their own monsters was how the elves employed the sylvan to oh. steal the grain. Yeah. So that might be a creature that's from the elven world. And that's why they're able to make this agreement with it is because they're very familiar with this creature. Joe, I have a question for you to mm-hmm. add to Eli's just because I can tell that you already don't know the answer to these. So this is fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so when the collision of colliding of spheres happened, does the stuff that like was there when it initially happened, do they remember their worlds prior? Uh, well, because we mostly just get the men perspective, none of them were alive to really say that. But there is a moment in the in the television show where they discover an artifact and they say, we think it is from before the conjunction of spheres. And so 
it very much seems that, you know, their worlds collided and there are still pieces of each of these different worlds here. Um, as opposed to all of them just being transported to a new one. Oh, okay. Okay. Does that answer well, yeah, the question? Like collided. Well, yeah, no, I was just more just wondering if anyone had any memory of anything. So, I mean, uh, so the, so we will meet a few elves eventually who do remember the time before the conjunction of spheres and they'll talk about that. Hmm. That, that sounds like a fun moment that I do want to see on television is like how they would depict what it looked like when the conjunction of spheres happened. Yeah. So for, for, for the moment in the story, you know, we, we haven't met anyone, but we will meet characters who were alive before the conjunction and they, they know about how things were before and how they are now. Right. Okay. Well, I think that's all we're going to be getting into today. That was a lot of stuff. I think we kept it bite-sized enough. Eli, how's your head? <laughs> Inflated. <laughs> Inflated. <laughs> but you kept up, more or less, right? Uh, you asked that in two different contexts. Uh, I felt like I did, and then you asked in a different way, and then I felt like I didn't, so... Oh, okay, perfect. So some of our <laughs> listeners who know nothing will keep up. Some of them won't. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Maybe listen to it twice. But um, I am much more clear than I was at the beginning of the episode. You know what? Honestly, me too. All right. All right. Let's thank our uh, Patreons. Kieran, Ben, Josh, Rachel, Dorothy, and Kieran again, just for good luck's sake. Ah. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please leave us a review. And if you see any of our ads or some of our social media, uh, if you could like, share, comment on it, just as a way to let other people know about it. If you're enjoying it, you probably know some other people who will enjoy it as well. And of course, uh, word of mouth is the best way to spread. So we'd love it if you would tell your friends about the podcast as well. Some of D&D has contradictions. There's a lot of retcon that goes on as each edition kind of goes out. So if you've got a preference uh, as to which piece of, of the lore you really prefer or something, let us know and We'll, we'll cover that in some of our listener mail. And uh, we do do uh, some in-depth research, but every once in a while, you know, maybe we reference a source that isn't great. So, you know, if you think we got something wrong, let us know. Or, you know, just want us to dive deeper, feel free to contact us. And then you can, of course, contact us at floor fantasyandlore at gmail.com. If you uh, want to support us, you can hit up the Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash floor fantasy and lore. And then, of course, there is our Facebook page, which is floor fantasy and lore. And always floor is spelled F-L-O-R-E. That's lore with an F in the beginning. If you want to check us out on YouTube, uh, maybe see some gameplay footage or just some images to go along with some of the things we talk about, like some of the creatures or the environments, then you can uh, see those on YouTube and usually just the floor or floor can find it there as well. If you are interested in joining the Patreon, you can get early access and ad-free access to the episodes there. So you can get a week early to some of the shows and uh, we are in discussion about some of the other things we want to expand to. Thanks for listening. And now... We have given you the floor and foundation. Now go build your own story.